0: Cold Stove Podcast, coming to you live from The Lodge in Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Brett Merriman. We have NRD in the building today. NRD, what's going on, man?
1: What is up, Brett? Happy. It's a big show. Long hey. time coming.
0: So big that we had to delay today.
1: Yeah. We thought something was happening yesterday, and it didn't. So uh, so we'll talk about it today.
0: We sure will. We will uh, we'll get to that later on in the episode. But thank you, uh, Cold Stove listeners, for bearing with us as we uh, basically had to bump it back today. One, for news purposes that did not come to fruition, but m- might sooner than later. And two, uh, we had like our, our yearly meeting for Washed Media, the company I work for. And it was, it, it was going to be very hard to do a podcast in that time frame. But enough about us. Go subscribe to the Cold Stove Podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Give us a rating, maybe a review. Tell a friend about the podcast. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cold Stove Pod, and shoot us questions or topics that we uh, that we need to cover. How about that, NRD?
1: Sounds good to me. Listen, I love when I love the viewer listener viewer submission submission uh, on the on the topic. Sometimes we miss stuff. Sometimes we kind of go down the rabbit hole of a certain team or a player or whatnot. So you guys kind of bring us back to earth a little bit with uh, your submission. So keep it up.
0: Welcome to Earth. Good movie. Want to get into uh, some hockey stuff? Go for it. How about those Philadelphia Flyers, NRD? About- they have fired coach Alain Vigneault. And, uh, well, Mike Yo's in, in in the door now. So TBD on, on how interim that interim status is. It is for sure a short-term fix for the Philadelphia Flyers, but they have officially fired AV. This comes after we might have discussed something similar to this situation, I don't know, last week. Your thoughts on the Philadelphia Flyers and where they are taking their direction.
1: Pretty similar situation that we talked about. I, would, I wouldn't say word for word. I think the big contention point was always ownership, Comcast, paying out the rest of Elaine Vigneault's contract and pay, paying two coaches at once. Because although coaches get recycled around the National Hockey League, it's pretty safe to assume that Elaine Vigneault will not be coaching right away. So you're going to be paying a new coach and Vigneault at the same time. And I think that was the biggest concern in the Flyers organization. What's really interesting to me, and this has been corroborated by many outlets, is that the the go-ahead to fire AV came from Dave Scott, chairman of the Philadelphia Flyers, um, which I, get, I guess, if you will, take that as second-handed confirmation in what we've been saying for the past couple of weeks, that this was always something that Chuck Fletcher, despite being in charge of, you know, the coaching staff and the roster did not have autonomy over. And this was something that had to come from Comcast and over the top uh, from ownership um, to approve. So it's a big move. It gets done. What's really interesting to me now is that Mike Yeo is going to get a chance to work himself out of the interim tag. We saw that with Craig Berube in St. Louis a couple of years prior, where he coached the organization out of, you know, hellhole and basically brought him to a Stanley Cup final. I don't think that's going to happen here in Philadelphia. Right now, they're just looking for structure in that locker room and in that coaching staff. I know tonight, as we're recording this, Nick Schultz is going to be brought in to run the defense. He's a player development coach in the organization. They have been reaching out to other names to potentially join the interim staff alongside Mike Yeo As Like I said, they try to gain back some stability there and, and help their young defensemen. But, you know... There's a lot going on in Flyerland, and I don't think the moves stop with just the firing of Elaine Vigneault. I, th- I think things continue because they're not good, and you know, Mike Yo, I think is a great hockey coach, but I don't think he changes things overnight.
0: Does that mean are you are you saying that a a GM switch is in play there?
1: I'm not really sure. I, I'd love to have an answer for everything, and I try to, and sometimes, and I, and I do that to the to a fault, but. What's interesting to me is that Dave Scott kind of gave the go-ahead to fire AV. It's something that Chuck Fletcher was hesitant on doing until um, he absolutely needed to, Till Alain Vigneault lost that locker room. I don't know if I would take that as Chuck Fletcher has lost some autonomy and trust in the ownership and the higher higher power in the Philadelphia Flyers organization. I think it's more so of Chuck Fletcher just not really knowing how to work himself out of a problem because, unfortunately, if you could say Alain Vigneault coached down and kind of suppressed that team in certain ways with the style of play that he wanted to implement. But at the same time, it's not a very greatly constructed roster, and that falls on Chuck Fletcher. And And I think that Chuck Fletcher not wanting to fire Alain Vigneault almost is, in a weird way, you know, looking at himself in the mirror and saying, if I just admit that nothing's right here, then aren't I going down with the ship as well? I'm a little bit more hesitant on the GM change right now, especially because there are two, you know, Big market, big Canadian market teams in Vancouver and Montreal that are looking for general managers, and um, I don't know if the Flyer job is as appealing as those two jobs, just because of the, you know, ownership that you'd be dealing with in in Montreal and Vancouver and the prestige of those jobs compared to having to deal with Comcast right now.
0: So if it's not going to necessarily immediately come at the top, does the, let's go back down the food chain? Does that mean the roster is ripe for a? blow up moment much like the head coaching position was
1: that's the most likely of the moves if philly were to make one which i think they will they have options it's not going to come in net with carter hart you have a lot invested into him not necessarily in money but in time as well so carter hart seems to be safe there working from the goaltender out ivan proveroff the reason why they brought in nick schultz and why they're talking to some of these names i.e adam foot that was confirmed to me um, is because they want to turn around his career path. I mean, he's severely underachieving on that blue line and, and you know, they don't have guys completely healthy there, Ryan Ellis and, and Sam Morin, but they, they want to rework that blue line. So I think they're going to give Prover another shot, which brings you up front. And you talk about, you know, the heart and soul guy who is by the way, he's having a career year right now in Philadelphia, Claude Giroux, um, He's the type of guy that you build around. I mean, he is busting his ass and playing you know, playing for his livelihood in that organization that he's given so much in his career too. But that's not stopping teams from you know, investigating. He's got a lot to bring to a Stanley Cup contender. There are a couple of contenders that have placed calls. The asking price is ridiculously high right now. I don't see a move happening today, tomorrow, next week, or anything like that. But we'll see where Philly goes over the course yeah. of the next two weeks, maybe into the All-Star break. And I, th- I think the questions are going to continue to bubble uh, under the surface with Claude Giroux's future in Philadelphia and, and James Van Riems, like for that matter. It's just the thing with JVR is that it, it, it's a massive contract and the production is not matching the dollar amount right now. So it's a harder contract to move than a Claude Giroux where he's making a lot of money, but he's having, like I said, almost a career year this year. So it's a little bit more palatable for a team to take on a center that's performing pretty well.
0: Yeah. And why would you not check in? If you're a contending team on a Claude Giroux, who's like you said having a great year, he's eight point two seven five on the cap hit, but it's only for the rest of the season. So prorate, you know, prorate that. Uh, JVR has another year left at seven million. So two, I mean, they're not like they're not huge, you know, ten million plus contracts, but you do need a certain amount of cap space in a flat cap era. But why would you not check in on those two? Is especially, especially Claude Giroux.
1: Yeah. And if you're the flyers, why not stick to your high asking price? I mean, he is the captain of the organization. He is a team player. He's like I said, he's, you know, playing really well. I, I repeat myself, but you have to stick to a high asking price right now because there's no, um, there's no mandate to move Claude Giroux. If you're Philadelphia, like I said, if, if you want to build around him for the next couple of years, as the, as the heart and soul guy to kind of bring you into a rebuild or out of a rebuild, if he wants to be a part of that, then he's the guy you have to go with. um, you know to wear that letter on his jersey so but you know there are contenders out west looking I, I i believe that colorado is interested um wouldn't be surprised as well if calgary you know talking about the the jack eichel teams the Tomas hurdle teams that are looking for a center uh, a number 1 number 2 center that can play in the uh, up and down the lineup and play multiple roles in the on the uh, on the roster so i'm looking out west i'm looking at colorado i think has been you know one of those teams looking to Maybe see if there's any smoke signals coming out of Philly, Calgary as well. Like I said, it's very early, and I want to emphasize that again. It's really early on in the situation. These things are always fluid. I don't think anything's happening tomorrow. There's no immediate action here from the Philadelphia Flyers organization. Um, Just something to watch for going forward, because as we said last week, and, you know, rumblings start to trickle out, you know. Um, And you heard it here first on Cold Stove Pod. I hate to be the one that says that, but we, we talked about how Chuck Fletcher is open to anything to kind of, you know, Chart the flyers on the right course, and that if that includes Claude Giroux, it's going to include Claude Giroux. So nothing now. Hold your horses on it, but it's just something to watch looking forward.
0: Yeah, that's going to be a trade deadline, to me, if, especially if he keeps up on this pace, because it's he's only increasing his value. So Philly's not going to just try to dump him for a bag of pucks. He's playing extremely well, and
1: and, and those that high asking price that they're sticking to. Clutchy might play himself into those assets for the Flyers, like you said. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. Do we know? Do we have a number on those assets, or is that still too speculative?
1: Too speculative. I would just say that um, you're looking at a team's top prospect. I don't think the I don't think we're looking at the four first rounders of value that Buffalo is looking for for Jack Eichel, but I definitely think you're looking for a a one prospect or a one NHL ready player, um, and a a1 nhl ready forward in fact in that deal and then trickle down to maybe like b level another roster player a couple picks or whatnot so it's not the four concrete first step Buffalo. yeah you wanted, just got to be
0: careful with the one um, one year rental is is that's the thing you're gonna, right yeah, so you're, gonna you're gonna get bring a, in a, pick a prospect maybe yeah pick a prospect
1: i think that uh i think that philly you have to understand this too philly's always going to want more for a guy that's that captain of course and right now yeah. he hasn't Claude Drew hasn't asked out, so hasn't asked for his way out of Philly. So he hasn't pigeonholed himself into um, anywhere where he has to be specifically, where he wants to go to a certain team. Where Philly kind of loses that leverage. So they're gonna stick to their high asking price. It's gonna come down, like you said, because he is a rental right now. But who knows? You know, extensions could be worked out. I don't think he's retiring tomorrow, so things can change. Like I said, very fluid situation.
0: Yeah, Calgary is interesting to me there. They don't have the cap room to make it happen. I just I'm looking at their their cap, and they still have Troy Brower money on their. Uh, on their roster, which is funny for the end of uh, this season, but that's a team and and Colorado as well that feels like a Giroux would put up 20 points in 11 playoff games and just have one of those runs that uh, lifts them to a Stanley Cup appearance. You know that 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 seems like a perfect fit. So, I like the uh, the keep an eye. I, I had to ask about the the price tag cause, you know what what would be my hosting job if not doing that?
1: No, it's a fair question. I will say this though, to your point about the cap situation. We know Arizona wants to broker deals in uh, in the desert, so we know Arizona's there as a third party to maybe retain some more salary. We know that Calgary needs to get rid of Sean Monahan if they want to add anybody. So, I'll tell you what: if
0: if I'm Arizona, I, I'm I'm brokering a deal for my rank first before I'm brokering deals for Claude Giroux.
1: We'll retain fifty percent on Giroux if you build us a newborn. I like that.
0: <laughs> uh, let's get back on the uh, on the, on the bench for the Flyers. Who is the next head coach?
1: If I had to say somebody other than Mike Yo right now, it's Rick Tockett. Yeah. I truly He's He that. seems
0: to be the favorite in the clubhouse, right? In, in sort of league circles, insider circles.
1: I would say so, yeah. It's Rick Tockett. It's uh, from Tockett. Then you got your list of, you know, retreads, whether it's – I think Travis Green is one guy that's going to fly under the radar right now uh, when, when looking at coaching openings around the league. But I think he's really talented. And we know Vancouver's underachieved, but – I've aired my grievances about that being more so on the roster that Benning constructed than Travis Green. I think he got a lot. Uh, he got a lot out of certain players in, in that roster in Vancouver. So he's one of those guys that might fly under the radar and dark horse candidate in a bunch <laughs> of different situations. Travis Green there, Jim Montgomery, another name I think is very deserving of another head coaching job around the National Hockey League. Um, Tortorella. I
0: was I was waiting for that name. Yeah,
1: that name. I, there's a reason why I said it third fourth. Because Tortorello is one of those guys that, and we've talked about this before, you know, namely when Joel Quinville, um got the axe in, in Florida, that Tortorella is a guy that would love to get back into coaching, but it's going to take this, he's one of those guys also that can basically pick or choose where he wants to end up and what jobs he wants to entertain. I, I just simply are saying 50-50 right down the middle. I just genuinely don't know if, if that's a job Tortorello would be interested in. Um, if he is, then obviously he jumps higher on that list. If he isn't, he's not even on that list, so... It's something to keep an eye out for. Right now, though, Rick Tockett, I think, is the safe bet.
0: Tortorella feels like a uh, a type of guy that does not want to go rebuild the Flyers, does not want to go interim with the Flyers. I, You know, I, I think Mike Yo has a has a real chance here, which is if, if he plays well and kind of gets this, this team on track, even if they do lose a Giroux or a jbr or something like that he's got an opportunity i mean all these guys do and, and that brings up the point before we move on to our next team that's going through something similar here i wanted to talk about the the twitter conversation of the day which is the retreads and how the the nhl coaching circle is 30 white men that keep getting passed around like a, a joint at a 18 year old prom night type of thing Nice one listen I uh, Believe me, I hear the point, and, and it's, it's like that in a lot of sports, the old old man's club, old boy's club, right? There's no denying that that exists, and there's no denying that that's, once you're in that club, it's a very powerful club. But also, when I look at a team in the middle of a season, I think an interim coach that's been an NHL head coach before, at the, at the very least an AHL head coach before, makes so much more sense... Than doing a full search and and trying to and trying to figure it out midseason when obviously something's already wrong because a lot more goes into it than just the X's and O's of a hockey team on a hockey rink. There's travel. There's there's meetings. There's video. There's this. There's there's a, there's food. Like you have to as a coach, you have to you're setting these these things. And I'm not saying that people that have never coached an NHL team can't do that, but at the NHL level, it's different. The cadence is different. The media is different so if i'm a team in the middle of a season who still has months left knows that that is an interim thing why why would i try to run out a rookie head coach there no matter who who they are what level they are if it's a woman if it's a man if it's whoever i don't think that's fair to that person who's never done it before to try to right the ship on a on a team that's already been going badly does that make sense no,
1: listen, it makes complete sense. I think the um, the one name in specific, the NHL's white whale, if you will, is Ricard Gromberg over in sure, Sweden. Sure, yeah, I yeah. think everybody talks about Gromberg coming over eventually and making the jump. It, it was almost with New Jersey a couple years ago, a <clears throat> couple years prior to that. He Buffalo checked in on him. Buffalo checked in on him. They went with a different European coach.
0: Oh, uh, you uh, don't have to talk about that.
1: He didn't want – didn't he? He was involved in soccer somehow before he was involved in hockey. You guys can talk about that later. Golazo. Golazzo. But, yeah, so he's like the NHL's white whale, and people have talked about him coming over to the league for you know, many, many years now. But I agree to your point. I think that there is a different cadence. There is a different level of coaching, the NHL, coaching in the National Hockey League, especially midseason, right? This is not something that you get a full summer to meet these players and, you know, flex your voice, flex your muscle in that room and start to set standards. Like, you're asking for a guy to come in there – in the middle of the season, in the middle of these, in the middle of the grind, these players want to get paid. They want to go out there and do their jobs. And, and to put a new voice in that room that is just not familiar with the daily ins and outs, I think, is the issue. And yeah, I agree. Go do your search in the offseason because, you know what? Worst case scenario, you may have not ended up with Bruce Boudreau, who is a guy that the Philadelphia Flyers would have been interested in. And I know Elliot Friedman talked about it on 32 Thoughts, that there was another organization that reached out to Boudreau. I believe that is the Philadelphia Flyers. So he goes to Vancouver. So like you miss out on Boudreau, but you might expand your overall search pool in the offseason. So yeah, Mike Yobi on the bench makes a ton of sense. And let's not forget he's a Chuck Fletcher guy from the time in Minnesota as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think with the the larger search, I would I'm all for instituting some sort of Rooney rule, right? Where you have to have to um maybe it's a coach of color, maybe it's a coach of indigenous like First Nation coach um from Canada or the US, like or, and then you have to have to interview a woman or uh, a woman that's been, whether it's a front office or coaching, because that is, is, that's the way the game changes. That's the way the game progresses and moves forward with ideas from everybody. Right.
1: Yeah, and that's the Institute of change that everybody talks about that. Nobody right. wants to actually take the first step forward and enact, right? Like there's ton. Somebody actually asked me on Twitter right before we started recording, if, if eventually there'll be, you know higher higher roles for women in the front office around the National Hockey League. And listen, I'm I'm in total support of it. There's great scouts out there in the National Hockey League, whether it's Blake Bolden who worked with the Los Angeles Kings organization, Cami Granado yep. who's now with the Seattle Kraken. Like there are talented women out there. Even AJ Malesco who does more of the uh, analysis side on television, but extremely smart and knowledgeable about the game. Like there are talented, you know, women out there that can perform very well in front offices for around the National Hockey League. But somebody's got to enact that change. It's got to start somewhere. So, you I let those. me
0: let me name drop here for a second, NRD, if, if you will. I've had a uh, I've been watching a hockey game at a bar in Boston with Kendall Schofield or Kendall Coin, Kendall Coin Schofield now. Yeah. Um, and she can talk hockey with anybody. She is unbelievable. And then and then she did the uh, she did the All Star game where she was in the fastest skater competition. And it lit it up. It was awesome. Kendall Coyne is, shouts to Northeastern, by the way, my alma mater. Um, she, she could hop in a locker room right now and, and just bullshit with the boys like like beer league style. You can't imagine. She's awesome. So I'm all for that. I'm all for um, more opportunity in, in especially off-season coaching searches because that's the way that ideas get into the game that haven't been in before that um, and now you're running one, two, two in the third period up two goals and then everybody does it. Or the four check is yeah, two guys in the pot, They're like, as it's a certain point, it just it's fucking everybody's the same. You're, it's that big, big, fast physical. And everybody talks like that after the game. it's like, I just feel like hockey needs a shot in the arm. Something. And I don't, I don't know where that comes from, but ideally it's the new TV dollars, but they, they kind of just, mitch something up you know listen if, if of...
1: that's the case it doesn't come from ricard gronberg overseas i think he's yeah. part of that gang like you know you really have to dig deep into the college ranks D- dig deep into you know P- whether it's d1 women's or d1 men's like coaching coaching talent is out there it's just it's a matter of wanting to find it and also listen it comes down to cost efficiency what the owners want to do with their pockets to lead a search like this and, and whatnot but you know, it's not necessarily hiring somebody that's outside that old boy cl- old boys club just for the sake of hiring them. It's not what this is at all. I mean, like you know, we rattled off a bunch of names that are talented people that are outside of what ha- what hockey has been has determined as the norm over the years. And I put that in air quotes. That are extremely talented and well deserving. So, listen, I hope it continues. I really do.
0: I'll tell you what. If if I'm the owner and I'm at the owners' meeting in beautiful Palm Beach this week, uh, guess what else about rookie head coaches is fun? They're cheap. You don't have to hire Tortorella at four million dollars a year because he's he's been won a Stanley Cup and been there before in the off season. And hire a, hire a kid to coach the team, and then he's got cool ideas and he's one and a half million dollars. Except Brindamore kind of fucked up that market, but I mean, it was, listen, it wasn't, it for his doing,
1: <laughs> wasn't for his doing. Tom Dunda didn't want to give him more than like ten pennies on the dollar. So oh
0: my gosh, a box of pizza and, and uh, free hotels for the year.
1: He was about to coach for minimum wage.
0: Speaking of a coach that uh, may or may not be part of that old boys club that we just uh, took care of, the Vancouver Canucks have a new staff. Bruce Boudreaux has been installed. Travis Green, like you mentioned, is out, as his assistant coach Nolan Baumgartner. Francesco Aquilini made a uh, couple statements the other day, rare appearance from him in the, in the social sphere, and said Bruce is going to be uh, – here for at least the end of this year and he signed a two-year deal so it's short term still but he's installed NRD Bruce Boudreau takes over for Travis Green what do we think
1: it's a good move what's really interesting to me is that the timing of it all when it came out like we knew Travis Green wasn't fired they announced the hiring of Bruce Boudreau first and then Travis Green was let go very weird and then no announcement really came out it was like there might be something happening in the front office, I and mean, I didn't really know till the next morning officially that Jim Benning was out. I was speaking to somebody uh, that knows their stuff when it comes to Vancouver Canucks hockey the other night after this news broke, and the one takeaway from that conversation, and, and they know who they are, is that more important than the GM or anything else is the fact that Aquilini is now open to hiring a president of hockey ops in that organization, and what this individual told me was that that hiring is going to be the most important hire over the general manager. Or anything else that Vancouver does to restructure the organization, they will consider young GMs looking uh. for a shot and great, you know, fresh-minded executives.
0: Uh, perhaps two of them that look the same is 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 that on the table?
1: I. Co-GMs are not out of the question. I mean, I think in the NFL, the Miami Dolphins have co-offensive coordinators. So,
0: if if Henrik and Daniel get their hands on each other, I think they would uh, they would be a, a an option. I think they have, they now have a further role in that department. But sorry for interrupting. Go no, on.
1: you didn't listen. There's nothing wrong with blonde Swedish twins running the show. Um, <laughs> so that being said, I think the president of hockey ops is going to be the most important hire there. I wouldn't be surprised. Just kind of piecemealing together what's out there, whether it's from LeBron or anybody else. I wouldn't be surprised to maybe see Mike Gillis rejoining that organization in a president of Hockey Ops role and then bring in a fresh face that hasn't worked with him before under him as the general manager, a little bit of the old guard and the new guard. Uh, Because that president of Hockey Ops role is going to involve somebody that has great knowledge around the league and experience. That's not where they're going to hire the fresh face. They're going to hire it at the GM level. So that was one... uh, That was a combination of of different reports and and things that I've heard and many others have put out there before me that I kind of concocted together right before we started the show of a Mike Gillis combined with a new fresh face guard in Vancouver.
0: Well, then let me throw some other names at you that have been uh, been reported for the president of Hockey Ops, Mr. Jim Rutherford.
1: He left Pittsburgh on weird terms, right? Didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. It was
0: kind of like... uh, what like semi-retirement, semi—I'm all set. Like I'm good. Semi-resignation in a, like.
1: If what what was? I don't think anybody was really ever able to interpret what Jim Rutherford was doing by leaving Pittsburgh. Like there might
0: have been like a health issue too. I think was at some point reported. I. It always seemed weird to me. And I and forgive me for not doing more homework on that. But he's a type of guy that. You know, I think it was Chris Johnston said he would like to get back in the game. And that's certainly a open president of hockey op spot.
1: And he, he's the type of guy that absolutely makes sense, right? Like in the same vein as a Mike Gillis or a Mark Bergevin for that matter. Cause I know you were going to throw his name out coming up soon here. They it have sure experience was. in running an organization. You hire them as the president, then you bring in some new faces underneath them as the general manager and, and the rest of the front office. Rutherford, I don't love the hire because, like the the good thing about Brian Burke, when when the Penguins brought in Brian Burke, right, to run the show, and then they brought in Ron Hextall underneath him, which is still extremely weird to say that Ron Hextall is the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins.
0: Yeah, kind of kind of hurts some Philadelphia fans out there, I imagine. Yeah, listen, Ronald
1: Hextall was a legend. He scored two, three goals. Um, Sounds like me. <laughs> uh, no, but like Burke was still involved in hockey. So, on the media side with TSN or Sportsnet or whatever he's doing, like, Rutherford, it seems like he's been out of the game for a little while. And I'm always, you know, a little iffy about that. Just if I was in that role of, you know, Aquilini trying to make a hire there. Like, he'd really have to sell me that he's watched film and kept up on where the game is going. Because of that, you know, old boys club conversation that we've talked about. Mike Ellis interest, interests me the most. Mark Bergervan and Scott Mellenby like, Mellonby makes a lot of sense if you're looking to hire a general manager, but do you really just want to run it back in the same order that, you know, Montreal did it, things didn't go well there, and I understand there's a lot of pressure with that market, but I, I'm not, just as much of a as I'm not a fan of hiring, you know, guys that have been out of the game for too long, I'm also not a big fan of, like, you can hire a coach that is a, a retreat that got hired somewhere else, like we talked about, but, like, Hiring a whole front office regime in like Bergerman and Mellonby that just was fired from Montreal—that it's different to me. Like that's a completely different no-no than hiring like an Elaine Vigneault somewhere else.
0: Yeah, I, I think I agree with you on that. You mentioned the uh, the TV side of things and, and why Brian Burke made sense on you know after being on Sportsnet and, or TSN, which whatever the it was, both, even I'm sure, I'm sure. I wanted to get your quick thoughts on at the sort of quarter poll of the season ESPN versus ESPN plus versus TNT and USA. And, and what you've thought so far, just as a, as a casual hockey fan first and insider second of the job that, that the TV deals have, have been doing so far.
1: Listen, I, I think the TV deals are, they're paying dividends for the league. There's more national interest in the national hockey. You see it in your social feeds and whatnot. Um, I think, I think the TNT is providing a little bit different of a product, more different in a good way of a product. That the uh, in a great way, by the way. In I a think great doing way, a in a fantastic job. way. Than what the NHL has done before, mm-hmm. and that's a lot due in part to the success they've had with inside the NBA and the mm-hmm. fact that their NHL coverage is in, inside the NHL, if you will. ESPN's doing great things just for the legitimacy of what Bristol, Connecticut brings to a sport, right? like I think the biggest concern right now is the is the blackouts and the streaming issues. With where the games are at all yeah, times,
0: yeah, st- I haven't been able to watch the the stars play. It's it's weird.
1: It's it's really strange why the um why certain games are like you can watch them locally. Like I know the big the big thing that's being talked about in the social circles right now. Shout out to Rear Admiral is why the Bruins. You can watch the game on Nesson on your television in Bo- in the Massachusetts area. You can't mm-hmm. stream the game on Ness in the Massachusetts area, but it's also not on ESPN Plus at times. So it's really strange. Like it's it's ESPN Plus exclusive out of market, but then it's exclusively on television, not on Nessen streaming. It's all messed up, and I think that's the big issue right now. And part of the reason to go back and, and some of you that have followed me for a while, remember that since I started reporting on the TV deals that you know eventually came to ESPN and TNT. The NHL's big concern with the NBC was Peacock and the streaming, you know, setup that, that Peacock envisioned, that NBC Comcast envisioned for the NHL and Peacock and how that didn't really, you know, do anything for Gary Bettman and Bill Daly and Steve Mayer, the chief content officer of the National Hockey League. So the fact that now this is happening, you know, with ESPN tells me did they just simply not care about the streaming. And they just wanted more money from whoever was going to give it to them, you know. I talk out of the side of my mouth, likely scenario knowing, you know, Gary Bettman and Bill Daly, mm-hmm. but that's the big issue right now. But in terms of the product, it's bringing a lot of legitimacy back to the National Hockey League and I'm happy to see it. I'm excited to see where this goes now with the All-Star game, you know, broadcasted nationally on ESPN. What happens, you know, with the Winter Classic on TNT, Gretzky will be back in the fold for that. So, like, there's good stuff coming for the league, though. I think that TNT is bringing the game in a new light, and something that's more exciting than what we've ever seen.
0: Yeah, they, they're kind of their version of inside the NBA for the NHL with Biz and Gretz and and those guys has been <clears throat> arguably a must-watch. It's been a great way to kind of lead into the games for the night. Absolutely. Which, you know, I'll, I'll watch that and then switch over to ESPN Plus at, you know, 7 Eastern for whatever game I want to watch. It's just been a great um, a great start. I'll put it that way. Absolutely, and it, it's cool to see like when Trevor Ziehris does what he does last night, or does does what he does right um, against the Sabers of all teams, and flips a puck over the net, and and Sonny Milano bats it in, and to see that jump up all over the TL, and not just you know the the usual accounts, the hockey this hockey that, but to see ESPN running with that, that's cool. To see TNT running with that, to see Bleacher and and Barstool and. All everybody running with stuff like that, like it it it's a highlight that, kind of anybody can appreciate whether you're a hockey fan or not. That's cool, and that's what hockey needs more of.
1: Absolutely. I mean, did you see Michael B. Jordan actually comment on the? Uh, did he really? He shared the uh, he shared the Zagros the Zagris assist, which by the way was probably one of the greatest passes in the history of hockey. I don't really think cool is and and like
0: almost a, a even better reaction in a way.
1: Kid's unbelievable, man. And largely in part when we sat here uh, about a month and a half ago when we launched Cold Stove Pod and talked about how Anaheim was starting to fade in the Jack Eichel talks because they didn't want to part with Trevor Zegras. I mean, if, if that doesn't show you why last night they wanted mm. Jack Eichel to pair with Trevor Zegras and not to give up you know, Trevor for, for Jack, I don't know what else to tell you. That's exactly why right there. He's extremely talented, and he's going to ascend to being one of the top centers in the National Hockey League.
0: Just hoping the same for Peyton Krebs, baby. That's, there you go. That's what we're hoping for. Uh, let's go back to coaching and get into some uh, some rumor talk, I guess. Go for it. A little, little bit of a hot seat here that I got some insight on the other day. Nrd, can I uh, can I report that here?
1: Go for it. You had my permission. Uh, you
0: you gave me the assist on, or I guess you you hopped on Twitter and, and kind of gave me gave me the uh, the nudge nudge. Hot seat in New Jersey.
1: Merriman's musings. Let's call it Merriman's musings right now. Merriman's
0: musings. Lindy Ruff um and not that they're not that they're playing great, not that they're playing terribly. They're just kind of middling and, and sort of feel rudderless at this point, which tends to begin with the coach, especially on a team that it is not exactly loaded with veterans that can kind of right the ship on that. Mm-hmm. So with New Jersey, what do you see that that sort of aligns where I'm coming from with Lindy Ruff.
1: Similar to what you said, just rudderless. I, I don't think they're playing as a cohesive unit, as a system right now. What really stood out to me, and I saw this, and I would love to attribute it to you know the Twitter user that tweeted it out. It just happened to pop up in my timeline. That the other night, uh, apparently, Jack Hughes, who listen, is coming off an injury and nursing himself, but he's playing really, you know, he's playing with the same speed that, he, that we're used to seeing Jack Hughes play with. And Nico Hiche both finished the game with the, the third and the fourth um, centerline minutes. Like they were the two, they were number three and number four in terms of minutes for, for centers. So that's odd. Uh, if I was running a team that had Nico Hiche and Jack Hughes, they'd probably be my number one and number two, not, num- not three and four. So similar to what you said, just rudderless. I don't think there's a sense of direction there. A lot of people are putting stock into David Quinn being spotted at the New Jersey Devils games. Coach with Lindy Ruff, he's also involved the Team USA's coaching staff now, so maybe just scouting some of the boys there. I don't think there's too much stock to put into David Quinn. Basically, lurking in the shadows. I don't think he's hiding behind the glass, behind the bench, trying to steal Lindy Ruff's job. You never know. I mean, it, I wouldn't if I was New Jersey. David Quinn would be a guy I'd want. I'd want to talk to, but there's no much. There's nothing more to put into it than that. But yeah, there's just something's weird. Like they should be better than what they are right now. As we talk about those teams, and and to quote you, to paraphrase you, when we talk about those teams that have ascended into that next step as being a rebuilder, um, you know the Rangers and the Ducks that are starting to come out of those. those Detroit rebuilds. even. Detroit who looks fantastic, and we'll you know I want to talk about Detroit at some point too because Lucas Raymond's you know playing like a man possessed. But New Jersey's like you said middling right now. They're just kind of staying in the middle. They're not they're not better. They're not worse. You could blame the assistants. I think it was a little weird that Alan uh, Nazruddin kind of hung on to that coaching staff as an assistant, and they didn't just clean house completely. But something's – just like I tweeted the other day that something's got to give in Philadelphia. I think we're not there yet in New Jersey, but something will eventually have to give just because they're, they're better on paper than what they've shown.
0: And another on-paper point that may sort of explain a lot of this is – you have a guy in Lindy Ruff who is, call it, you know, old school, at best conservative and and older. And he's he he to me he's built for a team that is older and trying to win a cup because he has, uh, has he does he have a cup on his his belt? Was he
1: was he with Dallas or Buffalo for the foot in the crease?
0: He was with Buffalo, coaching against Dallas for. In the crease, so
1: then he Gate. doesn't have
0: a cup, so then he doesn't have a cup. I believe I, that yeah. was a
1: shot at the cup. see. This is where we need Lindy, cold stove intern.
0: R- cold stove intern, cool. Adam is on the uh, he's on the ones and twos today. Maybe he can help us out. Um, this is a little live. I, this is looking great radio our, here, this right? Is
1: fantastic podcasting.
0: I know, I don't think he has a cup.
1: No Stanley Cups for Lindy Ruff,
0: okay. So that, long story short, he seems like the guy who takes over a veteran team, gets them to the playoffs year one, gets them in the Stanley Cup final year two, and s- says, that's what I'm here to do. That, being said, is there's only three guys in the New Jersey Devils roster that are older than 30. Three guys. And Tom- Tomas Tatar is 31. Tatar, Suban, and Jonathan Bernier, blast from the past name. So, that is an easy way to, to sort of explain these struggles for the Devils because you have a, you know, by all in accounts, a hard ass coach who bonds more with veterans than, than rookies and young guys. One of your veterans is PK Subban, who hasn't exactly, like, I don't know, married himself to being the best locker room guy of all time. Tomas Tatar has never been a loud leader, he just scores awesome goals and plays hard. And goalies are weird. So what leadership do you have in that locker room that's not Jack Hughes, who's 20, right? Like there's there's a leadership dynamic in New Jersey that does not check out, does not make sense right now. And that is providing some pressure and heat on the coaching staff.
1: And Jack Hughes and Nico Hichet, you know, I'll go back to them just because it's really bugging me that they played the minutes that they played the other night. They're not grind them up centers, right? Like Jack Hughes is a, you know, I. Want to be careful with my wording with this. He's a butterfly. You got to let him free. You got to let him fly around the ice. You know, he he's he's built in the same program that Trevor Zegras was built in, in terms of skill and development, and you got to let a kid like that roam around the ice and make the plays that he needs to make. So that's the issue with the Devils right now. But where do you go? Like I'll kind of throw a question your way as the host of this program. Where, do, where does New Jersey go with the coaching staff? Is it a Travis Green who worked with some younger guys in Vancouver but got results at times? Like, this? is he better? You know, like, you're not going to bring in a Gerard Gallant. I know that Lindy Ruff was a side effect of not wanting to spend the money on Peter LaViolette last go around. Mm-hmm. And that's that's well reported, and I've said that numerous times, when they botched the whole John Chayka-Peter LaViolette offseason. So... Where, like, what would be that new face in New Jersey if we're just recycling coaches? Because that's what we do here.
0: Well, I'll, I'll give you the the names. Right, it's the Ricard Gronborg. It's the Nate Lehman at Providence. It's the uh, oh, maybe Jim Madigan, Northeastern. He's now the AD there, but why not come back and, and coach a bunch of young kids? I think it's a name that's not in that old boys club. I think it's a younger. Kind of up and maybe maybe David Quinn actually does make sense when you think about it in an offseason kind of higher rebuild to get these young guys into that next step like they're supposed to take the jump. the The idea of Lindy Ruff is they're ready to take the jump, they're not. So I kind of look at the Rangers as the, as the example right where they were ready to take the jump. Quinn's out, GM's out. Now they've installed Gallant and, and Drury, and here now here we go. Now the gas is on for the next five years. New Jersey might have thought they were there. I like Tom Fitzgerald as a GM, too. I love hearing him on whatever program he's on. But I think they might have thought they were ready. Evidently, not yet. Which And so maybe you need a coach who's younger, who who's, can relate more, um, to get them to that step where they're ready to have a Lindy Ruff kind of come in and crack the whip
1: can't fault them for thinking that they were ready if you really think and it's a great comparison because they're right across the Hudson River with the Rangers I mean they were in lockstep for move for move that the New York Rangers kind of made alongside Jersey like Hughes went number one Kako went number two Devils had a top you know top 10 pick when in the Lafreniere draft so like they were kind of in lockstep for like move for move so the Devils may have looked at the Rangers and thought you know we have Hughes over Kako and we started comparing guys and the Rangers think they're ready so we got to be ready I don't know if that played a part in it Like, we know that the Rangers, you know, getting their asses kicked by the Islanders played a part in them kind of gritting up this offseason. A grit with a T and not a G, uh, with a D, grit. But, so we do know that teams use other teams as benchmarks to kind of see where they're at. That's that's what sports are. So, that's what sports is, I'd rather. So, I wonder if that plays a part, but they're clearly not ready. So, bringing in a guy like Quinn or a Travis Green makes a ton of sense, you know, but if you're Tom Fitzgerald, is that admitting that you you took the leap too fast? You acquired guys like PK Subban way before you were able to make that jump? Like, that's the other part of it too. Like there's a lot of egos and stuff involved. And I love Fitzy. Fitzy's a fantastic general manager. But they have a lot of assets in New Jersey. And I think that before he considers anything drastic, he better start spending those assets if he wants the results to pay off with this jump that he thinks that the organization's gonna take.
0: Can I give you a name? That I don't I don't have anything other than I know he's well liked in Buffalo. And is going to be a head coach in this hockey league. Fire. Michael Pecca. He is a workhorse for the Americans right now, Rochester Americans. Buffalo's AHL team. He's not their head coach. He is just an assistant that is sort of the player's guy, like the guy's guy who can you can go out and have a drink with and, and bullshit for a little while. Yeah. I don't think I don't think it's next year, but I think Michael Pekka is a great coach for a situation like New Jersey has currently that maybe somebody like, uh, Oh, I don't know, Arizona or somebody like, uh, Montreal is in a couple years. Whenever they're, whenever that rebuild is just sort of getting in the thick of it, he's a good guy to, to players coach the way into, into prime time. And then, you know, I, I, not to be rude, but like get fired and hand the reins over to somebody like a Gerard Gallant. So, so Michael Pekka, Keep an eye out for that kind of name.
1: See it in my head now, those orange Islanders third jerseys with the twenty seven back <laughs> on the back. What a great what a great player Michael Pecca was.
0: Great player, great guy. Um, and by all accounts can can have a little bit of fun too. Let's switch gears here at NRD. Do some rumors. How's that sound? Let's
1: go for it. My favorite. Jake
0: Debrusque. What is the latest on Mr. Debrusque?
1: The latest on Debrusque is Don Sweeney being Don Sweeney and not, you know taking what's out there just because he has to obviously teams when when a player requests a trade and the the trade request gets out there the teams immediately start circling in the waters because they smell blood and it's a buy low situation for them Don Sweeney knowing what he has in Jake Debrusk and knowing what Jake Debrusk is capable of because like I said like Jake DeBrusque is a great player, and I think he can reach that potential still of being a middle six winger in the league. And I don't think the Bruins think that he's not that player either. He's just severely underperformed, and the change of scenery makes sense for both parties. But I don't think the Bruins have given up hope and think that this kid is a lost cause. So Sweeney knows what he's got, and he's going to stick to his guns there. I still stand by the price being a player that can step in, uh, maybe the same age, maybe similar, maybe a little bit older, that can step into the Bruins lineup now and help them compete, even if it's down the middle because they're missing David Krejci. Like, that's... I'm looking at a piece that just helps the Bruins continue on this path this season, despite not being, you know, the king of the Atlantic division right now. Like, just a guy that just helps them in their lineup. I think that's the price still, and I think teams want to buy him. Want to buy DeBrusque cheap for futures, and that's just not what Don Sweeney has in the cards right now.
0: Would a Claude Giroux make sense in that situation?
1: If you're Boston, yeah, but DeBrusque is nowhere near enough, from what I know. No, no, no. Yeah, it would have to. And... I don't love Boston's futures pool that much.
0: I don't think they do either. Yeah, I don't think Boston. <laughs> I mean, they've
1: drafted really poorly. But, like, that, it from a fit standpoint, it makes sense. But it's just weird. I can't picture Claude Giroux playing for the Bruins. I can't picture those two teams brokering a deal that massive. No,
0: that is that is pure, pure cold stove speculation there. So please do not yeah. come at us. Unless it happens, then we'll inevitably tweet this clip out. <laughs>
1: it's our game plan. You guys figure this out. <laughs> No, it just—it's weird. Like, I—my face is cringing as saying it. I can't see it happening. It fits so. Jack much.
0: Edwards announcing Claude Giroux scoring is, ugh, doesn't sit right. The fit is so
1: much better out west, man. There's a couple of contenders out west that could really use Claude Giroux, like Colorado, like you mentioned. You know, he's the type of guy that can grab you 22 points in 11 playoff games.
0: Let's stay in Boston real quick. Tuukka Rask. Um, performed was it the e-bug or was it sort of just the emergency morning skate goalie
1: more of the emergency morning skate goalie I mean that is the e-bug I guess in you know in contractual terms in in rostering Mm -hmm. terms do you imagine if Tuca Russ gets called down as the e-bug in a game like your goalie pulls a groin and then your backup gets hit in the head he's got to get pulled by the concussion spotter you think you're getting (laughs) a college has-been or a Zamboni driver that doubles at Tim Hortons in his free time and then Tuka Rask comes out of the tunnel and you gotta play against And Tuka. just and lights you up. Yeah, yeah. it's just like he pitches a shutout like goalie goes out in the first period. You gotta bring in the e bug and it's Tuka rask and you know starts a winning streak for the Bruins.
0: Yeah, I'm. well I mean on a serious note, if you have Lena Solomart, you have Jeremy Swayman, and you have Tuka Rask who is probably closer than than not to being ready for an NHL contract is Boston what what's Boston's situation here? Does it does it feel like Dallas to them?
1: It's similar to Dallas in that you have it, it, listen, if you're gonna bring Tuka Rask back, he's gonna be the number two or the number one. Either you get him and Swayman are gonna kinda of float back and forth with starts. The the longer it takes and I believe it was Elliot Friedman that said this and you know he was spot on. The longer it takes for Tuka Rask to sign, the better it is for Boston just because of that, you know, daily accrual of caps pace and whatnot in the mm-hmm. contract getting compressed throughout, you know, less time in the season. So it, it plays into Boston's hands what's happening right now. But like, <clears throat> do you, do you want to move Linus Allmark? You signed him to that big deal in the off season.
0: No, it would, it would be Swamin. I mean, but how do you move Swamin?
1: Like, I'm, I'm asking you, like, I don't know. I don't I'm, This is embrace debate right here. Like, how do you move Swamin? He's your young guy in, in the stable. And you don't want to move, quite frankly, <clears throat> if you bring in Tuka Rask, you don't want to move really any of those three because Tuka Rask is old and, Unpredictable for good reason with it with his playing future. So it's like you bring him in and he's kind of like a he's a there if he's there and if he's not there he's not there type of guy. Like you have to hold on to the goaltenders you have.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, you don't make a move until until Rask is is there there or at least like con like verbally yeah and like there there is not
1: but... there there is not signing in March before the trade deadline and then playing through April and then we got to go into another offseason of you know is Tuka Rask going to stay. Like, there, there's Like, Tuka Rask mm-hmm. is going to sign a three- or four-year contract for, for a vet minimum and be involved in the organization playing in the net some way or somehow for the next three or four seasons. It's not, like, to sign Tuka Rask for two months for a cup run to get rid of Lennis Hallmark for that and then ruin your depth, or Jeremy Swayman, for that matter, is just, it's not a shrewd move that Don Sweeney would make.
0: Um, they might have some PTSD, too, if they see the way Dan uh, Vladar is playing out in Calgary. Lighting I it up. I think just... Just had his first loss like last night.
1: Him and Markstrom, Calgary set that.
0: That team is just phenomenal to watch. Um, so that's that's the Bruin situation. I think that's kind of one of those. I don't. I haven't heard any smoke out of Boston. Boots on the ground. Shout out to to uh, Petrov, but that that goalie situation I think will work itself out more based on what Tuka Rask is going to do. And I I wouldn't wouldn't hate to see Linus Almar go down with a groin and all of a sudden uh okay that that solves our problems for us type of thing. I could see that happening. Cause he's a guy that's injured um every single day of the year. He you can you can be like Linus we need to go on, need you on IR I'd be like, yep, well my thumb, my groin, my shin. In Buffalo, that dude had a winning record in Buffalo over the over the course of his his career, which is nuts. And uh but he was hurt all the time, so he just didn't get to play that much.
1: There's another goalie in, uh, in the state of New York that people are concerned about injury history with.
0: Which one? Craig Anderson, Malcolm Subban, uh, Igor Shosturkin? Which one, one are we talking here? Oh, Shosturkin, yes. And Which, uh, thought he was dead.
1: I thought he was dead. I- <laughs> Listen, poor New York fans. I mean, that was like the season imploding in one instance. Apparently he's all right.
0: Apparently, he's going to be back in the lineup sooner than you think. How That looked like a shattered groin. That looked like a uh, an ACL. that He couldn't put any weight on his leg. And New York fans had to flash before their eyes. I mean, what a good start they're off to. Finally looking like a real-deal hockey team who's going to make something happen this year. And then they watch Igor Shosturkin laying there on the ice. Can you imagine that feeling real quick?
1: What's really funny is that Ranger fans know, and many around the league remember, last year he had an injury against New Jersey with his hip, where I think one of the players, one of the Devils players, fell accidentally on his back. Mm -hmm. And he was lying dead on the ice last year, too, and then was back in a week. Like, the guy is otherworldly flexible. I mean, Jonathan Quick levels of flexibility from some of the saves that we've seen Igor Shisterkin make. But like this is twice now in two years where an injury pops up in the middle of a game where like that's like that's it for his career, and I'm not. I segue I segued into this segment by talking about the fact that there's another injury, you know, prone goalie. I don't think he's injury prone. You have to take the car accident with him and Pavlo Bucinevich out of it because that's like such a freak thing. Yikes! Not great. No, driving around too fast in Brighton Beach. Um. <laughs> Shout, been there shout out to all the Russians out there but like so you can't say he's injury prone because of that he's now had a groin and then the hip that was last year against New Jersey that he played dead and then the what we think might be a groin maybe he took a puck off the knee maybe a stinger a deep bone <clears throat> bruise we're not really sure I mean, we might never be sure of what happened this year he had that ankle in the bubble actually there you go there's another one the ankle when uh, Henrik was had to start a couple of games in the bubble. So these ticky-tacky injuries, they had up. Uh, I think that the New York Rangers' success, and this is not you know, an original take here, but the New York Rangers' success is directly correlated and tied to the health of Igor Shosturkin. If he is healthy and can play 50 games, even 50-55 games a year, and they can just get like two three-goal games out of <clears throat> Yorgiev and Kincaid or Adam Huska, like they're going to be a contender. The problem is, is Igor Shosturkin has to be there for 50-55 games.
0: Let's stay in the goalie market, shall we? Um, ben Bishop officially uh, entering a conditioning stint with the Texas Stars. I'm actually going to go see him play this weekend uh, in Cedar Park.
1: Cold stove on location. I want you to send a report back <laughs> How's he
0: look. Cold stove on location. I'll have the uh, I'll have the ears to the ground there. Meet and greet. That means that Ben Bishop is closer than um, closer than not to being able to play again, which means that Dallas. Almost has four goalies, NHL-caliber goalies that are ready to go. Who NRD is the odd man out, and why is it Anton Kudobin?
1: It's Anton Kudobin because, you know, Ottinger's a great young goalie, and he's kind of your goalie of the future. And I don't want to paraphrase Emily Kaplan because she wrote that this morning, but then again she paraphrased us by what we've been saying on the Cold Stuff pod. I tweeted out the clip a couple uh, couple of days ago, so shout-outs to her for being a, a long-time listener um <laughs> friend of the program friend of the program Emily Kaplan no all kidding aside she's great but like Ottinger's your young guy Hopi he, he's on a one-year deal and he's playing fantastic so you don't want to mess with his mojo Bishop you don't really know what you have so he's got to be able to play some games before you even consider putting him on the block so Antoine Kudobin is the odd man out and I'll repeat myself from that episode from that clip that we tweeted out we know what Kudobin's capable of when he's on. He's a great goaltender. He can help out a ton of teams. Whether he helps out if Washington wants to buy a goaltender, because I know Washington's looking in the goaltender market as we get down to uh, the playoff push, just to strengthen depth in that. Like He's the odd man out because of just the situation he's in. Because of each goalie in Dallas bringing something else to the table that Kudobin just doesn't have. There's the youth with Ottinger there's the mystique with Ben Bishop, mm-hmm. and there's the value in Braden Holby.
0: Yeah, Braden Holby's playing well. That's that's the thing that could open the, the problem with him is he's not playing great. I think he's eight 890 or something like that, so it's not like he's having a great year with great value. He's 35 and has another year on his contract after this year. So he's not exactly the most attractive trade chip, but he's the lowest of the four in terms of value, so that's why it, it's easy to say him. So... That's another one of those that I think time um, time will, will get that scenario more fleshed out as the trade deadline approaches. And if we have any smoke anywhere, obviously we will bring it to you guys. Of course. Let's go up real quick to north of the border. Rumor is Tyson Berry putting his name on the market. Not himself, excuse me. But rumor is that his name has been tossed around $4.5 million dollars. Cap hit for, let's see, it is for this year, next year, and the year after. Not an expensive guy. Talented guy. Locker room guy, by all accounts. Does Tyson Barry make sense uh, in your mind anywhere, or is it just any thoughts in general?
1: More so generally speaking, I think the issue is the contract after this year. Like A guy like Tyson Barry is not going to come in and play in your top two. He might not even touch your top four if you're looking for that depth. Like, he's great depth. He's probably the best of the depth that you can get to play on your third pair. But usually when you acquire those guys at the deadline, you want to bring them in, and they have, you know, the remaining year on their contract and their rentals. So the market is squeezed a little bit on Tyson Barry in the aspect that you have to be okay with adding him into the lineup next year as well, and you need a defenseman. Like... He makes sense. Like if you're talking about like a team like the Rangers who who would love to add depth on that blue line if they're really you know gonna make this push for the playoffs, because Nils Lundqvist hasn't been the guy that you thought he was gonna be, and that's okay because he's adjusting to the league, and Patrick Nemeth just hasn't been playing solid. So like if you bring in a guy like Tyson Barry, would make sense for the Rangers if he was a rental because of their cap situation <clears throat> next year, but doesn't make any sense because he's under contract you know beyond this year, so it limits the market. He's the type of guy that like. He's young enough, like you said, and he's cost controlled enough. Where, if you're a fringe team that thinks that next year or the year after could be your year, like a Dallas, if they figure out their woes, or, you know, if he wants to make a return to Colorado, if they think that they can, you know, it's a great,
0: it's a, it is a great fit. It's a I mean, great
1: fit to return Tyson Barry to like that's the team that can that can absorb the hit this year and next, and knows that they're going to compete this year and next. And all that he doesn't make sense as a team that's looking for defensive depth for a playoff push this year.
0: I don't hate the Islanders in that situation either. I mean, think of like Char is not going to be there. They have like they they still need defenseman. He's a right shot, right-handed defenseman. That's that's at at four and a half million dollars for two years after this year. That's not a bad deal. I mean, you're getting Tyson Berry for the same contract as Rasmus Ristolainen. Not a bad deal.
1: You know, I love Mason Risto. I don't best trade number one trade of the offseason Rasmus just the line okay
0: Okay. Uh, NRD before we wrap up you want to hit a little whip around coverage nope favorite part of the show NHL NHL franchises have uh, their values have dropped in a Forbes article the Rangers top out at 2 billion dollars and the Arizona Coyotes bring up the rear at 400 million dollars with the average at eight hundred and sixty-five million dollars, up thirty-two percent year over year, NRD. What do you think?
1: I think that if everybody, not just our followers, Brad, I think if everybody on Hockey Twitter pitched in a dollar or two, we could buy the Arizona Coyotes, and maybe save them. You know,
0: save the save the Coyotes. Just make up a little wily coyote graphic, and uh, they, they, those poor guys. They, like I said, the Coyotes are going to, and, and Elliot said this, and Jeff said this. They're going to be talked about to Houston to Kansas City to Quebec to Austin oh, that's me inserting that one they're going to be talked about until they have a rank in place that's just the, that's just the truth and no matter how many times that Marullo says we're not going anywhere this is all horse shit sorry until you have a rink to play in literally next year it doesn't matter
1: and Bettman too for that matter because Gary Bettman has a legitimate vested interest in the Coyotes staying in Arizona Bettman came on board in the NHL ninety-four-95 and the Coyotes moved from Winnipeg in ninety-six. That was the first big relocation under Gary Bettman as the commissioner of the league, and he brokered that deal because Gary Bettman came in in ninety-six and or ninety-four-95 and wanted to expand hockey in the Sun Belt. That's why you saw teams like Nashville and Florida and Arizona enter the league and the Dallas Stars move from, you know, Minnesota. So, like, he's got extreme he's got a vested interest in keeping the Arizona Coyotes where they are. Now Houston is in the Sun Belt in terms of, you know, wanting to keep hockey down south where it's warmer. But Arizona's his baby in a way, so he's gonna continue to deny those reports either. I think the most preposterous thing is, you know, the idea that was thrown out there that they might hop around and play in like Tempe and then Chase Field for a couple of games and like Yeah, that's that It just I... doesn't do it. What it does,
0: it, it wouldn't do well, and it would be expensive as all get out, and it's not going to
1: happen. Yeah, it's it's too expensive, and what it does is it you think it's great because you keep the team in Arizona and you keep the fan base, and the fans are really happy. But what happens is the product suffers because players don't want to sign there, players don't want to play there when they just Airbnb for their next home game. Like that's not that's not what they want to do either. So yes, it saves face for the Arizona faithful that have you know rooted for that team, and they're when that report came out. Many people tweeted me and said, "CNRt Brett, they're not leaving. So take that, suckers. Sign the Arizona Coyote, you know, fanship. So, like, they're passionate, but I hate to tell you, but like Merrick, like Freeman, no, like that's... we said, the, the, the rumors are going to continue to mount until they find a home somewhere. I wouldn't be opposed to them doing something like the Tampa Bay Rays and just playing, like, half the season in Arizona and the other half in Quebec
0: gross um i uh, i tweeted when that report was you know was denied or whatever i tweeted the the quote six months from now it's a great like, tweet, we've exhausted all options like we we love the fan base here we did everything we can and and it's just the it's the easy way out because they know exactly what's coming
1: dude spot on with that tweet it draws back to the atlanta Thrashers website 2010 it's right on the front. Uh, Front open on the website. Statement from True North Sports and Entertainment.
0: Yep. RIP the Atlanta Thrashers. Zach Bogosian got a start there. Played against his brother in, in uh, Messina. And ph- phenomenal hockey family. Um, the Sabres are at $500 million, by the way. The Padulas bought the Sabres for like $110 million. Uh, Sell the team immediately, Terry and Kim. You have clearly one baby... Uh, when it comes to sports that is the buffalo bills take your crazy profit and walk away why not you're already de- you can t- fucking develop more condos around the rank. you already have a bunch of them harbor center's great sell the team that's so easy oh my god do
1: they own? this is like my lack of buffalo knowledge do they own the key bank too? key bank center
0: uh, good question. I don't actually know who owns KeyBank. Because
1: out. that's like the the go to for the outs for some of these owners of the organizations to just hold on to the building and lease. Space yeah, hold on the to the new, real estate for the new owners, and that's they the big you know everybody talks about it. at one point Jim Dolan selling off the Rangers and the Knicks, but holding on to the Garden because he'll just you know lease the building out to the new owners of the organizations. So that's uh, a move.
0: I believe Erie County owns the key bank center. so
1: then that idea is out scratch everything i just said but
0: but generally speaking your idea stands that's,
1: that's an idea for many that's listen that's an idea for comcast in in philly mm-hmm. if that's ever an option they want to explore because they own the wells fargo center and they own you know all those buildings down there that the whole unit of you know sports complexes so if they want to just lease space from whoever wants to come in and buy the organization that's an option
0: um you know why mcdonald's is just, is one of the most valuable companies on the planet real estate Real estate, exactly. Nrd. Um, Matvey Mishkov, who is a current Russian junior, I believe he's 16, and uh, we will hear his name for a long time to come. I promise you that has signed with Cisco Saint Petersburg through 2026, which would take him three years after his draft year. Nrd. What is uh? What are your thoughts on on Russian kids playing in the KHL longer? like a uh, Kirill Kaprizov, for example, and Artemi Panarin, for that matter, versus coming over and playing juniors here and, and going right in the NHL.
1: I love it. I want to see more 27-year-old Calder Trophy winners. Um, <laughs> I think it's great for the game. I think it's really encouraging for the young kids here that are 18 and 19 trying to break through the league when a uh, 26, 27-year-old wins the Rookie of the Year trophy. No, all joking aside, there's a lot of pride in those, You know, for those guys to stay home and play in Russia and I've heard stories that uh, maybe we'll share one day here on the Cold Stove Pod mm-hmm. about envelopes and briefcases of cash being dumped off at certain players' houses for for achievements in the sport of hockey by a certain,
0: perhaps uh, perhaps threats of hey don't go over there or else.
1: Yeah, just nothing concrete about the threats, but like there's there's transactional Allegedly. relationships going on between you know the Russian government and some of their some of their assets. By way of the sense. sport of hockey. So, there's uh, there's a lot of pride, if you want to call it pride, in those guys staying home and playing for for the Red Army team. So, doesn't surprise me in the slightest. He's still going to get drafted because he's such a great talent. Like, he's still a first-round pick. We saw it with the goaltender, name slipping me right now, that Nashville took about a year or two ago. It's uh no,
0: Not Tarasov. He's Columbus.
1: Uh, name slipping my head right now, but... Nashville took him in the first round, uh, I think, with pick 10 or Try. pick 9, and he was the successor to Shosturkin or Sorokin with SKA. I think it was Shosturkin with SKA. And, like, he's going to be there for a little bit longer, but you still have to take the talent when it's there in front of you and just continue to coax them into joining the organization and coming stateside and playing in the NHL. Like, this isn't little Amorello getting Chinooked into trying to steal Slava Fatisov. For the Devils, like, it's a different world nowadays. The lines of communication are open, so I don't think it shies away teams that he signed there for another three years into his draft eligibility.
0: Totally agree. He's going to be one of the best goal scorers of all time. He's already proven that. Putting up more points than uh, one Nikita Kucherov at the same year in Russia. He's doing okay. Uh, Carey Price skated in full equipment for the first time since rejoining the Canadians. Uh, I just want to say congrats, Carey Price. Hope everything is going as planned on the road to recovery.
1: Go, Carrie. We're rooting for you. Hopefully, it comes back sooner. I know they said not before Christmas or not like after Christmas, but hopefully, it makes an appearance in the, the red, white, and blue this year.
0: No doubt. And uh, Jack Eichel and the Olympics in general. Now, Olympics and COVID. There's a lot of talk about it. There's a lot of uh, annoying talk about it, in my opinion. Like there's people that are saying that they're crazy if they go over because of COVID. They're crazy if they go over because of the three week quarantine I just I don't think people understand the players and their their want to and this I think we talked about this last week but I get the three week thing is an issue and people were like well if they test three weeks uh, you know test positive on the day of the semifinals, then what do you do you're a bad teammate it's like no you're not you're just like you're not there's there's 150 other guys over there doesn't like it, it's just it, it's you're not, it's not on one individual to, to answer for the rest of the lead being over there. It's just, I, I, maybe I'm just too much of an optimist, but I think that a way is found to get it done, especially, knock on wood, early results with uh, this Omicron variant are, yeah, probably more evasive as far as vaccines go, but no more threatening as far as severity of the virus once you have gotten it. So
1: we understand that. Who
0: knows? Who knows if that changes?
1: The concern is the three week quarantine in in, in China, in a Chinese facility. From what I've heard, three weeks quarantine, you're not allowed to produce a negative like you're three weeks total. But like 14 days, you're really locked down. Like even if you feel better in six, you got to it's 14 days before you can even begin to give them a testing sample that might be negative. Like they won't allow it. Mm -hmm. So that's the concern. I mean, as far as the Jack Eichel talk at the Olympics goes,
0: yeah, how about no, him? Huh? November 3rd. How about that, NRG There was a
1: date, and there was a certain podcast. It was a hockey podcast similar to the one you're listening to right now. Actually, it is the one you're listening to right now. That talked about oh, one right. of those dates being a contention point for uh, for Jack Eichel being traded because he wanted to get the surgery and be back and healthy for potential to play in Beijing. So I love it that um, Chris Johnson is a great guy, and I love everybody jumping on that bandwagon. But, uh, you know... NRD Bomb Squad, you guys know where it's at. Cold stove. Remember,
0: remember, the 4th of November. There you go. NRD is what I say. Last thing before we get out of here, are the Wild and the Washington Capitals two of the sneaky best teams that nobody's talking about right now?
1: The Wild are sneaky good. The Capitals we know like, are good, but that's... I think... I'm gonna I'm a little bit more bearish on the Washington Capitals only because their okay. success is directly tied to the fact that Alex Ovestman's on pace to like score like... Six hundred and twelve fucking goals this year. Very weird. Like, yeah. like it,
0: at the start of the season, it was okay. Wow, Edmonton's way better, and like obviously Calgary is way better, and the Rangers, right? It's like whoa, those are the, now. The the Wild and Stars, I'm getting Middle American involved here. The Wild and Stars are two fantastic teams.
1: They're playing really well. And bonus, I mean, for a guy that we thought that lost the locker room at one point, like whatever that players but, only meeting did, obviously turn some things around not everything they're not you know they're not in the top of the league right now but they're nine and one in their last 10 they're going to play tonight and they're playing really really good hockey right now
0: it i think you know it helps too when that that locker room is just loaded with guys that wanna win that have been there before that are experienced that are, are veteran leadership that you cannot quantify in advanced stats or or production for that matter that that's just a locker room team that's in, i think now in step with with bonesy
1: i would say yeah 100 percent. some of them are really wholesome you see uh the charitable man that is tyler sagan he invited all of his friends to the game i don't know if you saw the tiktok
0: no i didn't oh is that, is that the okay. one yeah it's the one with the uh, I, I, his, friends. his friends yes
1: tyler sagan yes, is yes, a charitable yes. man he leaves tickets uh it will call for everybody so
0: seems like he has a type if too.
1: you know you know Type of deal. No, listen, I'm, NR- I'm bullish on the Capitals. I think the Dallas Stars and Minnesota Wild are better teams than the Capitals right now. Right now, if we're gonna wrap that up,
0: I don't disagree with you. Let's wrap it. NRD. That's another episode of Cold Stove. Where can the people find you?
1: Find me at NHL Rumors Daily on Twitter. That's where I am. That's where I'll always be. I'm not leaving Twitter. <laughs> We've already had this discussion. You know. Find me at at cold stove pod too. You don't, you never know who, you who's, uh, who's behind that account either, but uh, we're having a good time. appreciate all subscribes, the listens and whatnot. Really, really, really encourage you guys to leave us a five-star review, um, five stars, and then write a review. Tell us how we're doing. Or if you're on Spotify, which, Hey, we love you too, Spotify folks. I saw a couple that have us ranked in their Spotify rap lists for the year. Um,
0: yeah, that was cool. That was cool. very cool. Very to very see. Thank you. Thank you guys for, for tagging us and that stuff. That's love awesome. Love
1: that. And if you're on Spotify and you can't write a five-star review, then tweet us. Tell us how we're doing. We'd love to retweet some of the best stuff that we hear, you know, constructive, non-constructive, whatever. If you think we suck, you suck too. So uh, that's okay. Just uh, keep up. Maybe the we'll
0: uh, – Maybe you know, we might have to do NRD is do a, a voicemail, like a hotline, and like less like asking us questions – would more just give me your take? Like after your team loses, yeah, like overreaction. Like say the Sabers to the yeah, yeah. Say the Sabers lose to the Rangers, uh, with 0. .4 seconds left on the clock. I don't know. Just I want I want your fire. Or like I have we have the best fucking goalie in the league. Like I don't care who knows his name. I don't care if anybody thinks he he's such. He's like something like that. We might have to have a an overreaction hotline.
1: Well, I'm all for it. Listen, people, NRD. Uh, You know, I carry the torch for you all out there. NRD is the people's insider. I love hearing from the people. So it's not a bad idea in my book.
0: As do I. I am Brett at Schmeryman on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Cold Stove Pod on both of those apps as well. And we'll see you guys next week.
1: See ya.